Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at relevantradio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this hour of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I hope your Tuesday is off to a really good start here on the Memorial of St. Francis of Assisi. So what's your favorite board game to play? Are you somebody who goes for something classic like chess or checkers, or do you like to play one of those other pretty popular games, something like Monopoly or Sorry, Scrabble, Clue, something like that, or maybe something a little less well-known, or do you not really like board games at all? When my wife, Baylan and I, when we were first married, we'd spend a fair amount of time playing different games. Uh, you know, no kids in the house, and uh, we didn't have cable, <laughs> couldn't afford cable at that point, and we only had, uh, we only had three games. We'd spend time playing these games, owned... Uh, those first few months of our marriage, we had this standard cardboard chess board and the cheap little plastic pieces. We also had the game Monopoly. And the third game wasn't even technically a board game. It was just the card game Uno. And we played plenty of chess, but you want variety. And so the other two games would be worked into rotation as well. For some reason, my luck would always fare better when we played Uno. I'd win a little more often than Baylen would. But Baylen, oh, she had such good luck when we were playing Monopoly. And if if you've played Monopoly, which I'm presuming just about everybody here in the U.S. has, it's not a gentle beating when you lose. Almost always the person who wins, they obliterate you. You end up landing on some property that they have with hotels, and you've been hoping and praying that you're going to make it past there, get that one space that's in between, you know, that allows you to pull from community chest or, uh, you know, whatever other space it might be, but you don't get that. And you've already had to mortgage most of your other properties to pay rent the last few times because of those unlucky rolls. And since most things are mortgaged, you're not collecting any money from those spaces on the board. And then that final roll you're just clutching on to the last few dollars you have. You want to make it around. If I can just get past go, if I can collect my $200, maybe I can turn things around here. But you land on that property with a hotel and that's it. And it's such an overwhelming defeat in Monopoly. And Baylen and I were both fairly competitive. So we'd have some nights where we'd be walking away from Monopoly not speaking for a little while, maybe the next half hour or so, as one of us just got completely devastated in that game. Well, we soon decided we needed to buy some other board games to mix it up a little, as well as being able to play something that didn't have the same sort of cutthroat um, you know, play that Monopoly has. So one of those early board games we purchased was Trivial Pursuit. 
That was a game where we both were pretty equally matched. We knew some of the answers in the different categories of trivia, but much more often, we found ourselves stumped by the questions. And this was in our early to mid-20s. Within the first few years of owning that game, we started to play it less and less. And I, I don't know if we played it at all during our 30s. But a few years ago, we had some friends who gave us a Christmas present of an updated version of Trivial Pursuit. And this updated version, it had all kinds of questions that dealt with history from the last 30 or 40 years, along with all kinds of other subjects that had been updated with current answers for areas of science and progress and technology. And we ended up playing it with our kids. One of our children was already in college at this point. We had a couple in high school at the time. A couple were middle age, uh, or middle age, middle school age. And as Baylen and I, we played Trivial Pursuit now with them. We were watching our kids have that same sort of struggle to answer most of the questions that we had when we first played the game when we were married. Similar to when we had that original edition about 20 years earlier. But with all of these new questions that dealt with news and issues and technology and other topics that we had experienced throughout our lifetime, Baylen and I, we found the game almost too easy. We were answering, I'd guess, around 80 to 90% of the questions correctly. And then we were able to explain the history or the background on a lot of the answers if our kids were curious, we probably, even if they weren't curious, we're telling them more than they cared about. But it really was amazing to me how much knowledge and information Baylen and I had absorbed. Because I didn't feel like I obviously know so much more than I did 20 years earlier. I mean, we're all learning, but apparently there had been enough learning over those 20 years that it really made a huge difference in that game. You know, we always have the potential to take in new knowledge to keep learning and growing. And just as this is true for some random trivia question in a game, it's just as true for our spiritual lives. And the more that we know about what we believe as Catholics, the more that we understand our faith, that helps us make better decisions in how we live as Catholics, how we live as followers of Christ. So with this in mind, today we're going to make this hour open for any of your questions about the church and the faith. And the goal is that by knowing more about what you believe, hopefully this allows you then to apply that knowledge in a way that draws you more deeply into your relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to open it up right now, and if you have any questions about the church, about the faith, about what we believe as Catholics, uh, you know, maybe you're in a situation where you want to do the right thing, but right and wrong don't seem quite so clear. There's a bit of nuance in the situation, whatever it might be. You're welcome to call in and speak with the priest that we have joining us today, a spiritual director here on the program. And our phone number is 888-914-9149. Again, that's 888-914-9149. Our spiritual director today, Father Michael Hurley, and Father Michael is a Dominican priest, and he's the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. And again, open for any question that you have about the faith here today, as we just kind of make this a learning hour all together, uh, open, open-ended, whatever you want to know, you're welcome to call in, 888-914-9149. Father Michael, first of all, welcome to The Inner Life. Always good to have you here. Delighted to be back, Josh. Thanks so much. I, here's my question, right? Are you, 
Monopoly top hat or shoe? What, what, what was your what was your go to? Yeah, so there? my wife would always go for the iron. That was her go to. Oh, yeah, the iron. Nice. Yeah, I think I went for the race car more often than anything else. Yeah, that okay, was, car. I, of course, yeah, the car. There yeah. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> no, so Father, we've got some phone calls that are coming in, but while uh, while we wait right. for those to go through the screening process here, you know. When in your just regular everyday life as a priest, dealing you know with your, your uh, parishioners or people who just encounter you maybe at random, is there a, a top question about the faith that you get asked more than anything else, or maybe I don't know a top two or three questions, just one or two or three questions that you always have people ask you again and again and again. Uh, well, let me think. Well, I mean, just kind of what you said just, just now in terms of just clarity of, of life, people uh, assume, or at least <laughs> who might see a priest and think, you know, what ought I to do about this particular situation where the, you know, the, the path isn't clear. It's not a matter of evil or goodness, but it's, it's like most of the situ- uh, situations we find ourselves in in life, there's a little bit of gray area. So they, they just want just general kind of advice about what to do. So I think, I think more or less, and if you had to categorize it, one of the top questions would be just about clarity uh, of life or decision making. And it's interesting to to, to note that um, I just remember a wonderful story that was uh, told about Mother Teresa, <laughs> in which she uh, was faced with this. So she it was a, um, a Jesuit, a scholastic, who actually, in fact, he had finished his degree and he went and visited her and actually worked in Calcutta for a while. And um, he was with a, a kind of a should he do, um, uh, if you will, more studies and kind of go the intellectual route, or should he kind of give his life over to kind of working with the poorest of the poor? And so he asked Mother at the very end of his uh, month, he was there for the summer, and said, you know, Mother, uh, pray that I have, you know, clarity. I know what to do. Should I, you know, should I be an academic or should, should I be kind of more in the trenches? And um, she said, no, I'm not going to pray for clarity. <laughs> and, and he's like, what? Because you, you've had the advantage of knowing exactly what you wanted God to do all of your life in terms of your vocation. And she said, no, I've never had a moment of, of clarity in my life. But what I've, I've had is a sense of faithfulness to God calling me in the moment. And so she said, I'm not going to pray for clarity. I'm going to pray for faithfulness. So I think in general, the first step to any kind of clarity that when someone says, what should I do? Or even we're thinking for ourselves, what should I do? We ask ourselves, are we being faithful to just the spiritual life? That is to growing in our faith, to connecting with God in prayer every day and keeping close to the Lord in the sacraments. You know, as you're talking about that too, there, uh, I think there are so many situations where I know I've wanted to turn to somebody and say, well, what do you think I should do in this situation? And a lot of times what I'm really saying is, tell me what to do. You know, I, yes. I, yeah. I, kind of, I kind of want to get out of having to own the decision-making <laughs> yeah. process on my own. So just tell me what to yeah. do. And yeah. uh, one of the best answers I've heard from a priest that I've spoken with is, well, God gave you a brain. <laughs> And so that kind of goes back to your your point, Father, of having yeah. to really exercise that faithfulness. But, um, you know, that, that also brings up when there is a decision to be made, um, if you are in that good relationship in living out that faithfulness with God, um, I know there have been times in my life where I've said, 
I don't feel like I'm getting that clarity, that clear direction or that clear answer. But I will say, you know, God, this is kind of where I'm leaning. It doesn't seem like there's any issues. I think you're okay with this. If you don't want me to do this, you know, I'm going to move forward with this in, and I might say, you know, a week, I'll keep on turning back to you, or it might be two weeks. But if I don't have you shut a door or open another option or make it very clear to me, this is kind of where I'm going. So if you don't want me to go there, just shut that off for me and and help me out here. And so far, it seems like most of the time where I've done that, um, even though I don't necessarily have that clarity, God seems to be okay with me making those kinds of, of, you know, decisions and moving forward. I haven't had anything that struck me as, wow, I really, really messed up there, and I obviously was out of God's will. Yeah, no, I think of St. Augustine here where he says, you know, act as if everything depends on you and pray as if, as if knowing that everything depends on God. So in other words, those two things are not mutually exclusive in terms of, of connecting with, you know, what God wants me to do, and, and others, too, asking friends, family, people who know you well and might know the situation well, so getting advice and input, uh, but then certainly just taking that step forward and say, Lord, open those doors that need to be open, close the doors that need to be closed, and give me the courage to walk, <laughs> usually the way that I'm, <laughs> that I'm, I'm hoping I'm not having to walk, but I probably will have to walk. <laughs> Again, talking with Father Michael Hurley today here on The Inner Life, and taking your phone calls, really, we're just making this kind of an open uh, grab bag of whatever questions you might have about the faith, because the better we know our faith, the better we can live our faith. So again, any question that you have about the church or the faith, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Michael Hurley. Father Michael is a Dominican priest, the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. And our phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question you'd like to email into us. You can send that to innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, let's go to Liz, who is listening in Delaware. Hi, Liz. Welcome to The Inner Life. What's your question today? My question is, the Protestant faith, My um, they say to me that Jesus had a brother named James. Okay. And so you're just wondering, how do you respond to that question from that Protestant friend that, that you can say, well, no, we believe that Jesus was the only son of Mary and, and, and Joseph as the adopted or, or foster father? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if the, if the implication is that Mary had other children, certainly we, we don't believe that. Um, but in the scripture, when uh, Jesus is referred to as having other um, relatives, there's two, there's the Catholic thought has been two different ways. First of all, the, you have to, and I don't have the text right in front of me, but you have to um, note that there is no distinction in the term for relative. So in other words, we make distinctions between, you know, biological brothers or sisters and like more distant, like cousins or, you know, half brothers or half sisters. We will actually, in English, you can, you can name that. But uh, in the Hebrew, there's no distinction in that term. So that term could either mean cousin or it could mean brother. So it's not quite clear what the relationship is from the word that's used. It's translated in your English Bible as brother, but that's not it doesn't mean what it means in English. So there's a little bit of a translation uh, um, challenge there. And the other is there's nothing in our faith that says uh, specifically that Joseph couldn't have had children uh, before 
Mary. That's another kind of tradition. The church doesn't speak on that in, in terms of de fide. But so those are the two the two ways of understanding um, how Jesus could have relatives, but they wouldn't be necessarily uh, the sense of the children of Mary. Liz, another thing that helped me on this question as I was on my journey into the Catholic Church, coming from a Baptist background, looking at, you know, does the Bible have the answers to everything that I would ask about the Catholic faith? One of the most obvious places for me, I thought, was looking at the foot of the cross, where Jesus speaks to the Apostle John and to Mary, his mother, where he says, uh, woman, behold your son, and then looks to the Apostle John and says, behold your mother. If there would have been another sibling of Jesus, most likely Mary would have then gone to be taken care of by that sibling with Jesus being uh, executed, being out of the picture. The fact that that doesn't happen, that Jesus gives her to somebody who is not her biological child really speaks volumes about the fact that there was no one else as far as a child to take care of her. It, it, Jesus was taking care of that in that moment. Now, there's other spiritual application we can take from that as well, but that that's one of the ones that helped me. So I hope that helps you as well um, as you're looking at that. The other thing that might be good to even point out here too, Father, is you can go back into those early first few centuries and there's just harmony when you look at the early church fathers, the early church doctors, as they talk about the role of Mary being the mother of Jesus. And they don't talk about any other siblings. That never was something that got brought up until there was really a translation issue, especially in English. Absolutely, yeah. No, you don't, you don't see any kind of, in, in terms of the early church, we have all sorts of um, different patronages and saints and so forth. And You'd think that the, uh, the, the, if, if, if Mary did have another child, that would have been highlighted in so many different ways, but it doesn't really come up until, like you said, until post-Reformation kind of times. Again, talking with Father Michael Hurley here on The Inner Life Today, and this is just an open phones hour. Any question that you have about the faith, and our goal here, the better we know the faith, the better we can live our faith. And that's that's uh, the end goal of this hour. If you'd like to call in with any question you have, maybe it's just a question you've been thinking about for a while, and now you have the opportunity to talk with a Catholic priest, you'd like to ask it, call us 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Mary, we'll get back to your call coming up next in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life. This is Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. 
And today, talking with Father Michael Hurley. Father Michael is a Dominican priest in San Francisco. And today, taking any question that you might have about the faith, even living out the faith, it could be um, you have a question, you're curious about something that we believe as Catholics or why we believe it, or maybe you're in a situation where you want to do the right thing, but right and wrong don't seem quite so clear to you. You're not quite sure. Maybe there's a bit of confusion on what might be the right path to take. Um, You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Michael Hurley, 888-914-9149. Again, any question you have about the faith, welcome here as today. We're just trying to know and learn and understand our faith better so we can live it out better. 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Mary who is calling in from the Chicago area. Hi, Mary. Welcome to The Inner Life. What's your question? Hey, Mary, you there? All right, we're going to put Mary on hold, and we'll get back to her. Let's go to Barbara, listening in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Barbara, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you on the air. What's your question today for Father Michael Hurley? I am wondering why I was taught that Jesus was not born in the natural way. And if he okay, was that, not, yeah. If he was not, I'm wondering um, how he did emerge into the world. Yeah, so I'm not sure what, when you meant not in the natural way, he just kind of, not through uh, natural childbirth. That's what I was taught or was suggested okay. to me okay. as I was growing okay. up. Okay. okay, yeah, I'm trying to think myself. I Maybe the, the idea was that somehow because Jesus is God, that he wouldn't necessarily be constrained to the natural physical processes of being born the way natural birth would be. But I'm not sure why that would be, what would be at stake there. In other words, we believe that Jesus experienced everything we experience as humans, and that doesn't diminish from him being God. Um, So could Jesus have been born outside of like the natural way of doing it? Of course, but there's nothing in scripture that really lets us know that. Um, so I, I would I, I have the same I would have the same question, Barbara. I'm not sure why why that was why you were taught that. In other words, I don't see what necessarily what's at stake there. It doesn't it doesn't make Jesus any less God if he was born the natural way, and it doesn't make Jesus any more God if he was born in a different way. So right. I'm a little perplexed too, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think what this might go back to because I've heard, and again, this is more speculative. There's not definitive church teaching on this, Um, but it probably goes back to most of the time because Mary was preserved from the stain of original sin, because of her immaculate Mm, conception being able to carry Jesus as a pure vessel, which we see prefigured in the Ark of the Covenant, would she not then have been bound to the, uh, the curse of suffering in childbirth that we see given when Adam and Eve, there's the fall in the oh, garden. So I think that's gotcha. more where that probably comes from. But again, gotcha. there's not. I Most of the time for me, I, I going back to what you said, Father, I like to imagine that even if there wasn't the, the same sort of pain in childbirth, that there would be still the natural childbirth there because it makes yeah. Jesus like us in all things as humans except for sin. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a different question. Did Mary suffer? Or did, did she experience the pains of childbirth? That would be a different question on Jesus' actual birth. But and, and you could, like you said, what's at stake there is just confirming, if you will, the the um, the role of the immaculate conception and her own sinlessness. So that 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 could have some some uh, theological speculation behind it. I see there. Uh, Father, let's go back to Mary. I think she's ready, listening in Chicago. Mary, are you there? Yes, I am. Excellent. Good. Hello? What's your question? I have um, some blessed salt and blessed holy water, and I'm trying to expand it. I'm wondering if I can add the blessed salt to regular salt. Would that all become the blessed salt? And the same thing with the holy water. Can I add regular water to holy water? And all of that is considered blessed holy water. That's a, that's a fantastic question, Mary. I, I, I've had the same question myself from time to time. I, I think I, this, is, this is going to be, my answer is going to be twofold. Uh, first of all, it, it's interesting that you say that because we just recently celebrated uh, the uh, feast day of the martyrs in Korea. And in fact, when some priests, the Jesuits finally went there about 150 years ago, they discovered this whole underground church that had been baptizing uh, using <laughs> holy water that had been smuggled in and then just half just not and basically diluted with other water over the over the years so in terms of track not that you have to have holy water to baptize in case of emergency but uh there's there is that you can find traditions of people who are cut off from sacerdotal blessings uh that that preserve that kind of idea uh, on the other hand um i would say you would keep your holy water just kind of separate and just get it's i think fairly easy these days to have to have access to holy water um and maybe under the pandemic it was maybe tough difficult to have that but i would i would say just as a matter of practice to keep your less salt and your and your uh, your um your regular salt kind of uh, separated for each in their own uses. You know, that might also raise the question, too, as we talk about holy water or blessed salt or a number of other things that we can use. Uh, we're, we're talking about sacramentals here. Can you maybe give us yeah. a little definition and background on what sacramentals are and the purpose of them? Yeah, so sacramentals, of course, take their unique character, if you will, from the sacramental life, and that is the extension of Christ's presence in the physical world, Jesus, of course, had a human body, but then he also empowered nature with his grace, with that gift of his power. And so we well know things like the sacraments, capital S, the baptism and the Eucharist uh, and anointing and so forth. But there are also, um, if you will, things for our daily usage that put us in connection with God's grace, his, that participation of his life when we use them, especially in a daily basis. So things like a holy water, or I'm right now, I'm, I'm, as I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm clutching my rosary beads, right? So, so uh, articles that draw our attention to God's living presence amongst us, and in the use of them, put us uh, both with an open heart to receive God's grace, which he's always willing to give us, but in a particular way we can receive when we uh, interact with these kind of holy things and these things that draw our attention to the life that God has us. So when you, when you mention uh, holy water and salt, you certainly any priest can bless water and make it holy, uh, but I, I particularly uh, prefer uh, the, the rite uh, of uh, blessing holy water that has holy salt. You actually mix 
the holy, the blessed salt, and the holy water together. There's a little bit of an exorcism that's prayed there. And so if you come to St. Dominic's here in San Francisco, you're getting, you're getting salty holy water. <laughs> well, you're on the bay, so it makes sense. I, I know, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Talking with Father Michael Hurley today here on The Inner Life, and today is just open Q&A, open phones for any question that you might have about the faith. Uh, here on The Inner Life, our focus is spiritual direction. And why are we doing just open Q&A? Well, it's because the more that we know and understand about our faith, the better we can live out our faith. So if you have any question about the faith, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Michael, 888-914-9149, or email us, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Father, we've got Lynn, who is calling in from Colton, California. Lynn, what's your question today? Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, Father, I am finding myself drawn to uh, the Catholic Church, but I do struggle with the church's teachings on birth control. Should that be a deal breaker for for me or is that a deal breaker for the church or would you recommend still following through with my desire to to join the church? Thank you. Absolutely. Lynn, it is fantastic to hear from you. I'm so excited that you're feeling drawn to the church. I guess where I would start is not with things that are troublesome, and that could be about birth control or any of the, especially the moral issues, but just ask yourself, why am I feeling drawn to the church? That might be a a question for you, and to kind of focus on that and let that be kind of what leads you uh, in a way, because um, how to put it, you you don't have to, I mean, I think an analogy with the people who followed Jesus, those first apostles, if Jesus would have said, here's a list of things that you have to have to believe in order to follow me, he might not, he might have not gotten very far. Like they, they, they needed an emergent sense of, excuse me, of faith and belief and even action. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Josh mentioned earlier that only uh, John and uh, the Blessed Mother with the Holy Women are at the cross. And so, in other words, <laughs> those, even those first apostles weren't always faithful in that way. So in other words, we don't have to make a prerequisite, a sense of being 100% on board with everything, even intellectually or even in practice, in order to approach the Lord in every way. So I would, I would start there and let the Lord lead you. If you have an open heart and a willingness to be led by the Lord, you can't go wrong. Uh, Father, you know, the other part of this, too, then, Lynn brings up, and it's a common question, and it's probably one of those areas where there's just not uh, well enough known understanding, why does the church teach that artificial birth control is a problem in a marriage? And that really comes down to understanding, well, what is the primary purpose of a husband and wife having that unity in a marriage that happens in the bedroom? Uh, you know, there's, there's definitely the bonding, the love that's there, but if you use artificial birth control, you're really robbing that act of its primary function more than anything else. And that's one of the things that the Catholic Church looks at in almost anything when it comes to natural law. Not that we have to get this from Scripture itself, but just looking and saying, well, if you engage in the sexual act and it is not accomplishing the main purpose of that act— there's something problematic there to begin with. 
Absolutely. No, and and I didn't mean to, uh, in answering Lynn's question, <laughs> negate that that's an important aspect of our teaching, just that where do we want to start the early absolutely. church? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so, but but no, but you're absolutely right. So, so, the, so the idea then is, um, well, this is, St. Pope John Paul II is wonderful at the kind of, if you will, like you're, you're hinting at, the theology of the body. What do, what do our bodies tell us about who we are, how God made us, and what, if you will, the natural goal or end of who we are as people is? And so certainly there's, a, there's that idea that, um, that our bodies itself speak for, if you will, God's intention for us, which is where we find our happiness. In other words, God made us to be happy when we uh, fulfill the function of who we are as, as human beings. And so the, both the unitive, uh, which is very much stressed, I think, in marriage today, that coming together for love, but also the, the procreative way, that is that we participate, and it's the very first command of God, be fruitful and multiply, right? And so literally God's uh, first uh, command is to be fruitful, to share in his capacity to create human life, and in cooperation with God, if we somehow put a barrier to it artificially or technologically, just because we can, doesn't mean we ought to do that. That's one of the key distinctions when it comes to the moral life. Not just can we do it, but ought we to do it. We are interrupting or putting a, literally physically a barrier to the very, I, the very first commandment, if you will, so to speak, that primordial command to share in God's life and his love. And so that's why the church says a little bit of a red flag here. We don't want to be basically um, uh, contravening what God has asked us to do and not be in participation with him. Again, talking with Father Michael Hurley here on The Inner Life today, taking your phone calls on any question you might have regarding the faith, the church. Uh, Maybe you're curious about what we believe as Catholics. Maybe you're curious about the why. Why do we believe this as Catholics? Why does the Catholic Church teach this? And you're welcome to call in with your questions at 888-914-9149. And if you just joined us, why are we having just an open question hour here on The Inner Life? Well, it's because the better we understand our faith, it helps us to better live out our faith. And that's our goal here. So if there's something that's a little curiosity or maybe something that you're having a hard time understanding or reconciling, that's a teaching of the church, or you just don't know what the teaching of the church is in an area, call us 888-914-9149. I need to take one more quick break. We'll be right back with more of your phone calls and more of your email questions right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank Mike, who's listening in Minnesota, for donating his O'Day sailboat. Join in with thousands of other listeners to donate your old vehicles or your old watercraft by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. Thanks for joining us here for this hour of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today I'm joined by Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. And we're taking your phone calls, your questions on any uh, any aspect of the faith of the Church, what we believe as Catholics. You're welcome to call in with your question, 888-914-9149, You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, before we get right back to the phones, uh, Pam wrote in and asked the question via email, 
What does the Catholic Church mean when it teaches that, quote, God reveals himself gradually? And and I'm not sure where Pam got that quote. Um, she doesn't, you know, say if she if she read that in, you know, some book that she's going through or maybe from the catechism. So I'm not exactly sure where that's coming from, but um, I, I think it's still a pretty natural thing that we do see God reveals himself to each one of us gradually in most cases. Oh, yeah. No, and it could be uh, the St. Paul. Well, thank, first of all, thanks for writing in, Pam. <laughs> but St. Paul talks about even when he's founding churches, and he'll write the church back and say, you know what, I spoke to you, uh, you know, in this way because you were new. You were like children, right? <laughs> and so I, I gave you, he talks about the scriptures being food, right? And he said, when you were young, you had to have certain kind of foods that, you know, the, the young palate and digestion system can kind of take and incorporate. And now that you're, you're, you're grown, you can take a little, you can take a little bit of, uh, of, of meat, a little veggies, so to speak, I'm paraphrasing, of course, here in, in a way that you can naturally assimilate it in a better way. So that's how God, uh, in a sense, um, deals with us just naturally. He, he, there's a sense of um, uh, dealing with us at, in terms of our own capacity, which is like children, like when you're forming children, has to be at a certain level of understanding. As we grow and we mature, we're able to take more on board. And so the scripture itself is a kind of gradual dawning of revelation. And then even in our own lives, there's a sense of progress where, you know, as, as you mentioned, in terms of even your uh, proclivity and acuity for, for board games, has <laughs> kind of in the trivial pursuit. Although I was thinking this, we can call this segment pertinent pursuits, not yeah, trivial. There you pursuits. go. Those yeah. Pursuits. <laughs> important <laughs> pursuit. Can, yes. Yeah, exactly. Important significance. But it grows, too. So the same thing with our faith life in the same way. All right. Again, our phone number here, 888-914-9149. If you'd like to call in with your question about the Catholic Church, about the faith, and speak with Father Michael Hurley, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Ted, who is calling in from California. Ted, thanks for calling in. What's your question for Father? Yes, good morning, Father Michael and uh, Josh. Um, My question is, um, I've been taught um, as a practicing Catholic, I'm a cradle Catholic, that there will be more souls in heaven than there will be in hell, uh, and irrespective of purgatory. But does one, uh, does one must be Catholic to even have an opportunity of um, entering heaven? And if so, um, you know, how, how can that be, how, how can there be more souls in heaven? Um, than, than in hell. So uh, that, that's my question. Ted, no, th- thanks very much for the question. So just to kind of rephrase, uh, the question is, does the Church believe there are more souls in heaven than not in heaven and hell? Is that, is that the question? Just to clarify. It sounds like that was the question. So no, the Church actually, the is, I'll just say... The Church has said that, that there will always be more souls in heaven than there will be in heaven and hell. Um, but my, yeah. my question is, is that if that's so, I mean, uh, does one must be Catholic to enter heaven or have an opportunity yeah. to enter heaven? Gotcha. Yeah. So, so the first of all, the church doesn't doesn't give any head count either way. <laughs> in other words, the church doesn't say that there's more souls in heaven or, or in hell. It doesn't make any claims to numbers of, uh, of souls. You can perhaps have traditions that talk about um, you know, God's grace and uh, justice, uh, but there's also, you know, Jesus's injunction that the, the road uh, to, uh, to heaven is difficult and, and only a few find it. So 
there's uh, certainly, uh, when it comes to the church, is silent when it comes to uh, just doing a head count. The church will say who is in heaven, but interesting, the church never exactly says in terms of persons other than the spiritual persons of, of the devil and, and those who fell with uh, Lucifer doesn't necessarily um, put anyone in, in hell in the same way. But as to numbers, it doesn't it doesn't speak. It's silent on that because it's up to that's up to the Lord, and we don't have that. We're on a need to know basis, and we don't need to know that. As to do you have to be Catholic in order to come in to salvation? Uh, there is no salvation outside of outside of Christ. The Lord Jesus is the only definitive way to approach the Father. And so, having said that, though, um, the Catholic Church, it's not like you have to necessarily like be, Lord doesn't look at your like Catholic registration at a parish, right? He's going to judge your heart and your soul. And so as Catholics, we believe we have the full resource of what the Lord has given us through that tradition and through Scripture. And for folks who either, through no fault of their own, don't uh, know Christ, or perhaps having come to the fullness of the Catholic Church, um, we leave the Lord to, to, to judge that. So we don't definitively uh, say, in fact, it was uh, condemned as an expression, uh, understanding that outside the Church there is no salvation, meaning the institutional uh, connection with the Church, but outside of Christ there is no salvation for sure, because Christ is the only way to come to the Father. So I hope that was helpful, Ted. Yeah, it's a good question, and Father, as you're, you're kind of explaining that, um you know, one of the things that comes to mind is the the church and the sacraments are the way that God has set up for us to be able to encounter him in the best manner, best means possible. But God is not limited or bound by the church or the sacraments. If there's a way that he wants to work outside of those, he can. But if we have access to the church and to the sacraments, that's really where we should all primarily seek God and want to encounter him. That's the, that's the best avenue for us to take, but God is not limited by that. Absolutely, yeah. The Catholic Church is, the, if you will, the normative and the best, the fullness of the way, but it's not, in, in other words, God's not limited to the community that he started. He, God is God. <laughs> he, can, he, can open his, he can open hearts of anyone he's created to himself. Uh, Father, let's talk with Rebecca, who is calling in from San Antonio. And Rebecca, welcome to The Inner Life. What's your question today? Yes, my question is, when we are at Mass and reciting the Our Father, are we supposed to raise our hands up or keep them in a prayer form? Oh, great. No, Rebecca, that's a, that's a great uh, question. Uh, liturgically speaking, the only one who is instructed to have the orons position or the hands kind of uh, up in prayer position is um, the priest or the concelebrants. Uh, and so the, and there's no directive for uh, those in the congregation to kind of join that. Uh, having said that, though, I know that there are customs in different places for, you know, families to hold hands or to lift their hands up in prayer. And I would say as long as there's not, when it comes to liturgy, as long as there is not something which is distracting or taking away from the moment or being irreverent, 
um, gestures that uh, lift our hearts devotionally to the Lord, I, I think that, can, that there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. So in other words, liturgically speaking, that's not the normative uh, position, the Oran's position, it's the, the priest role there. But if there are customs that kind of lead devotionally to that moment when we're invoking, you know, the prayer of all prayers, uh, I wouldn't necessarily discourage that out of hand unless it's becoming a distraction or somehow taking away from that moment. Uh, you know, as you're saying that too, Father, um, there can be a lot of those things where we want, of course, we want to bring the reverence and the respect to the Mass at in all parts of the Mass. Um, yeah. But what's the central focus of what's happening? It's Jesus. Yeah. It's it's the, the uh, prayers there for the liturgy of the Eucharist. And that's, that's the place where, uh, I guess, where I've been to different parishes and I've seen, okay, that's not exactly how I might be comfortable or I might, you know, hold my hands or, you know, even if, mm-hmm. if people don't kneel at the right place where they're supposed to kneel. But is the prayer over the bread and wine being said correctly? Is, is that happening? Okay, at least I can look at that and, and breathe a sigh of relief. Yes, uh, that, that's happening there. Should there be other things happening? Yes, let's pray that those maybe go back to uh, what, what you know, the, the germ or what the rubrics say. Um, but as yeah. long as we're still encountering Christ there in the Eucharist, that at least gives us a good starting place. Absolutely. In fact, one of the most, um, the kind of, it's right after the Our Father, coincidentally, is the, the sign of peace, right? Where, you know, the Lord, the, the priest will say, you know, the peace be with you. And it's meant to receive that and to just share it with others, but it's not supposed to be, you know, happy hour where everyone's kind of going all over the place and the priest leaves the altar and stuff. As you say rightly, you know, there's different customs with that, but the, the main focus should be on what you're about to do and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, not just individually, but personally together united in that community of the body of Christ. Okay, and we've got a few minutes left here and an open phone line if you'd like to call in with your question here today as we're just doing an open Q&A with Father Michael Hurley on The Inner Life. You're welcome to call us 888-914-9149. Also want to encourage you, if you're not aware, October is the month of the rosary, and if you are not someone who prays the rosary regularly, I'd really encourage you to tune in tonight at 7 p.m. Central and join Father Rocky as we pray together the family rosary across America. Again, it's 7 o'clock this evening, Central Time. And the rosary really is such a transformative prayer. It will change your life. And there's power in praying together with people, um, especially with the thousands and thousands of people that unite and pray each evening on the family rosary across America. Uh, If you're already praying the rosary, fantastic. If it works for your schedule that you can join Father Rocky and pray, then do that. Um, but keep on praying. Don't stop praying. <laughs> that's that's important. Uh, Father, let's go to Liz, who's uh, calling in from Milwaukee. Liz, glad to have you calling in. What's your question today? Thank you. Thank you, Father. Um, my question is, um, I'm a practicing Catholic and raising um, my children in the faith. My husband is also, and he is a retail pharmacist. And I guess, is it, my question is, is it okay that he, as part of his job, has to prescribe um, or fulfill prescriptions for the morning after pill? Um, And then if not, what, you know, what should we do about that? 
Yeah, no, that's a great uh, question, Liz. Whenever we're dealing with kind of morality in the workplace, uh, these can be really difficult, uh, you know, questions because they don't, they, they both certainly um, affect actually what's being done, but then also, in a sense, have all kinds of corollary kind of fallout. So I, the kinds I, without knowing the particular situation, I think certainly prescribing, especially if it's, um, uh, it leads to an abortion, not just, not just, you know, in terms of, of and not just of uh, keeping life from, you know, um, fertilization, but from actually ending a life, any kind of prescribing of that medication is, is, is just is wrong. It's <laughs> just uh, simply put is, is wrong. Um, being forced to do that, you know, or at least that, that is what your job entails. You just have to ask a series of questions. Like, can I somehow not be the one that have to have to prescribe it? Number two, do I need this job in order to provide for family as you know, as as, as the kind of a, the primary person to, to to provide for family because that's a responsibility there? Um, and then is this can this be the kind of thing where um, you know in terms of prayer, there's can be kind of like a work a situation where you can still have that job but not have to actually kind of deal with that kind of thing. So I think you just have to say there's no when it comes to actually prescribing a particular drugs that could cause the end of a life. You wouldn't you. You'd, you'd not want to be in that position if you could avoid it, absolutely, um, and look for ways uh, to kind of um, to extricate yourself from that situation, I would say. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tough situation where, you know, your, your livelihood depends yeah. on that job, but at the same time, you know, the, the technical terms that we're really talking about there are uh, direct or indirect cooperation yeah. with evil and where there's an indirect you know all of us have that to a degree just here in such an interconnected society but that direct cooperation with evil where you are actively being a part of the the vehicle the mechanism that allows for an abortion to happen yeah that's that's never going to be right um you know liz i don't know if there's a way for your husband to speak with his employer and say this is something that i just I conscionably object to, and I really am not comfortable doing this. Um, you know, if maybe they'll make an allowance there where he's not the one fulfilling those prescriptions and he can stay away from that. Um, if not, uh, as difficult as it might be, it might be that you have to discuss, is there a different pharmacy, one that really is life-affirming, that he can go and work there, and he doesn't have to compromise on this issue um, that is really, really important. So, Liz, uh, I'll say a prayer for you and for your husband. And Absolutely. I'm sorry to hear that that is the situation there. But yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, send us an email or give us a call back and let us know kind of how things turn out there. But we will have you in our prayers. Father, uh, we are almost completely out of time here. I wish we could get to other calls, other questions. Um, this has been great. Hopefully, we can do this again at some point here in the future. But before we wrap up, as always, could I ask you? in our last minute to offer a blessing for our listeners. Absolutely. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace of mind, heart, and spirit. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Father Michael, for being here on the program. And thank you for being a part of the program with your questions. Apologies to those of you we didn't get on the air. But again, maybe we'll do this again here in the not too distant future. I want to encourage you to join us tomorrow as we're going to be talking about the sacrament of marriage and that situation where maybe 
The marriage wasn't valid in the eyes of the church. What does that mean? We're going to be talking about annulments, and you're welcome to call in with your questions about marriage, about annulments. Tomorrow here on The Inner Life, stay tuned. Mass comes up next, followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. And I hope you have a blessed rest of your day.